Like we always do with this time I go for mine, I guess to shine Now throw your hands up in the sky Welcome back to the Columbus e-commerce podcast. Uh, we're just here today to catch back up. It's been a while and you know, you don't think many people listen to this, but then you get all these requests for, hey, what's what's been happening? Where are you guys? Uh, I think our last couple of shows with the guests, Pebby and Max, were fantastic and uh, were really well received. So I appreciate everyone's feedback. Uh, we are back. We'll try to keep this more consistent for you. Um, and today it's it's kind of just a conversation about Q4, getting ready for Q4, uh, horror stories, our experiences, and we'll go through that. So, uh, Myron, you want to kick us off? Anything you want to make sure we cover? Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's start with some any recent news we've heard in the retail e-commerce space. Um, one thing that I found super interesting was that uh, Instagram recently launched the ability to tag products in your Instagram stories. So. For Instagram, their stories, obviously a Snapchat competitor, they've been putting a lot of focus on new features and abilities with the stories, but I really think being able to tag products directly on Instagram stories is a huge feature and one that I'm excited to start testing out on my own store. Do you think Instagram's going to turn into an e-commerce platform? I really do. You know, it seems like the obvious play, especially with Facebook having its own e-commerce shop enabled for business pages. I really think Instagram is moving towards its own standalone e-commerce product that will offer everything from, you know, product collections to shipping rates and things like that. Yeah. And in, in knowing Facebook and the way it's run and knowing that the Instagram leadership team just left and left hundreds of millions of dollars on the table, uh, similar to what happened with WhatsApp founder, I'm guessing that if they turn into an e-commerce platform, which I agree with you, I think that's what they're moving towards, they're going to shut the door on everyone else. <laughs> They'll literally cut off all their integrations, yeah. say screw you to Shopify and all those stores, talk to Kylie Jenner, who's the number one <laughs> Shopify store, probably going to break a billion dollars within the next 12 months on, on sales in her store that's only a year and a half or two years old. Uh, say, hey, come with us, be exclusive. I wonder what that'll do to Shopify, Shopify stock, to Shopify users, because it, from what I've seen, Instagram's a major player in yeah. driving volume to a Shopify store. Yeah, definitely. And another thing coming up with Instagram is they are enabling some new features to help prevent the um, kind of hacking that's been going on with their, you know, their false accounts. And Instagram is known for having a lot of fake accounts and bot accounts. And so one new feature they're rolling out is account history. So as a user on Instagram, you'll be able to go to a Instagram business profile and see basically the history of that profile when it was founded what the original Instagram handle was. And I think for people who are building their brand on Instagram, it's really important to you know, start from the ground up. It can be very tempting to buy an account, buy followers, but with this new information that Instagram is going to make available to its users, it's going to be really important to keep yourself honest. Yeah, that's great feedback. That really is because it's kind of like the quick flip uh, market there is build up an Instagram following with just some basic followers and then search the brands and sell it uh well that's that's definitely interesting we'll be really wild to see where that all goes i think between instagram and facebook you probably drive the majority of paid traffic to shopify sites right now yeah. to a lot of e-commerce sites a lot of the people in that kind of hustling space we've seen a bunch of tremendous brands be built solely through instagram and uh yeah instagram to bring that all in house will be a move so we'll see uh, 
that's a prediction for 2019. I think I'd put out there is Instagram starts to beta test its own e-commerce platform. Uh, you know, it, similar vein to that. I saw the Pixel 3 just came out this past Tuesday. And one of the features they have taken from Google Glass is uh, kind of native search functionality on products within an image. So I could take a picture of you and be like, wow, those shoes are amazing. Click on those and it will give me the Google essentially shopping results. These hybrid results make it really easy for me to buy that product. Yeah. It'd be an interesting move for e-commerce. I think the future of e-commerce has to do a lot less with e-commerce sites and more with just native frictionless shopping where you're going along and saying, hey, if I like that car, I could drive it today for $30 an hour rental, or I could buy it. It's going to cost me $60,000 to buy that. Here are my lease deals and here are my uh, purchase deals based on my credit and everything else Google <laughs> knows about me. So it's, it's kind of the beginning move to that. And that's been around for years now. Obviously, Google Glass, I think, was the first folks to really bring that to prominence. But, but I do think it's just moving us ever closer to what is an inevitable future, which is, hey, I don't have to necessarily get a whole platform and build this whole shop and, and all this stuff around it. I can build a brand in really cool products that as they exist in the environment, they'll naturally build and snowball. Yeah, and that's actually a really good transition into some predictions for the upcoming you know, Q4 holiday season. And I was just reading the other day that practical e-commerce is predicting that 3% of uh, holiday sales between Black Friday and Cyber Monday will be made using voice shopping. So what are your thoughts on wow. you know, using voice as a method for searching and buying products? So my take on voice is Based on the industry, everyone thought it was going to be the biggest next thing. And then everyone's like, okay, we were stupid. That was a bad prediction. The numbers of people who are using it showed that the majority of people who use voice do it once and never again. And then the heavy voice users are such a small fraction. Yeah. Now you can start and build a business off of a small fraction, but the way it's forced on everyone, it's surprising that it's not bigger than it is. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know to me. It seems we shop with our eyes, you know, visually, things are visually appealing to us. Um, people aren't practical shoppers. You know, the, the way to win at merchandise isn't to have uh, the best specs necessarily. It's, it's how, what looks best in an array of other products. So I think voice is interesting. It's not something I'd personally be investing a ton in right now. It doesn't mean that it's, that I'm right in any way, shape or form. I just think that if you look past the sensationalist headlines, there there isn't a lot there. And, and with how prominent voice is, I mean, we have phones. Yeah. Everyone has a smartphone. It's not a hard platform to build into. With how prominent it is and how easy it is, it hasn't really taken off. And I understand why. I mean, if I'm buying something, first of all, Siri or Alexa, those are dumb platforms. <laughs> they, they are. You ask Alexa to play a song. We, we play the cleanup song by Dora the Explorer for my son. He loves the song. We know She knows exactly what song to play, but if I say play the cleanup song, she plays four different songs before she plays the right one. <laughs> yeah, cleanup song by Dora the Explorer. Okay, the wrong cleanup song. It's yeah. amazing how wrong yeah. she is. And she listens to everything I say and knows our history. And we've never once listened to any other cleanup song but this one. <laughs> And yet every time it's a debacle just to get the right one. Yeah. So imagine I want a pair of, you know, size 11 
Nike Air Jordan 12s. She's going to order me Pumas. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, that, that, that's an example, but yeah, I also yeah. wouldn't buy those through her, you know? Right. Maybe reorder my toilet paper order, or my paper towels. But again, I wouldn't trust her to do that. And there are some people who would. I just, those types of things, and it's baked in. And in the end of the day, a smart system for the type of stuff you don't research is going to be built. So those recurring orders, uh, toilet paper, paper towels, basic grocery items. Yeah. You're probably not going to order by voice. It's probably going to be a smart fridge, a smart home, or just uh, you're putting stuff on the recurring orders already. So to me, it's kind of an interesting patch that I don't know why it would exist or where going in the future. Yeah, that's a really good point. I do think that there's still a really big learning curve for programs like Alexa and Siri to understand what we're saying and keeping track of our history and being able to learn on the go um, with our needs. And I think also there's still a big barrier of entry for a lot of a lot of different consumer markets to have any kind of voice-enabled technology, even Siri. I don't find myself using very often with my iPhone, but I can't imagine having Alexa and just walking into a room and telling her to do something. So I think there's still some getting used to there, but you got to think from a retail perspective, being able to have an option for customers where they don't see a credit card, don't see an amount, and it's all done through voice, that's got to be, you know, ultimate frictionless experience where there's almost no buyer's remorse because they're ordering and it's almost out of their mind as soon as they order it. So I think from a retail perspective, it'll be a really exciting thing to launch in your own business once it's ready and it catches up with the technology. Yeah, I like that take. And if I were a consultant right now, the hot item to sell is voice optimization yeah. for your searches, <laughs> which I think is kind of a joke too. I wouldn't tell anyone to buy it, but I'm sure there's a lot of people who would buy it right now. Could you see yourself buying something via voice? I I couldn't right now, but I'll say I could see myself buying something with voice more than after an augmented reality experience. I think the AR, VR, and then the voice play, I think all of those are a little before, a little ahead of their time right now, but between the two of them, I think I'd choose voice over having a 3D experience in a shop that just seems like hmm. the opposite of a frictionless experience where you're getting a you know, full force experience where you see every inch of an object, you can you know, come as close to touching and feeling it as possible, but... I do think that maybe in the next decade or so, voice will be at a point where I can feel comfortable making a purchase there. I don't see that with AR, though. Yeah. I just can't think of a product I want to buy via voice. <laughs> but we'll see. I might be wrong next year. Everything might be voice, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so there's some cool trends uh, in technology for sure happening. And those are exciting. Uh, we'll see where they all go. I think... There are some interesting trends right now as far as obviously coming into Q4, people start to get pretty discount happy. Everyone wants to kind of get those discounts out there first. We're seeing a lot of people start to discount earlier and earlier, which yeah. has always been the trend, right? Yeah. Uh, I remember the first time a uh, president of a company I worked for heard of what uh, Black Friday was. And he comes to me, he's like, Chris, we need to do something for Black Friday. This was in the... <laughs> You know, mid two thousands, and the company was not a company that does deals. It's not a retail company by any means of imagination. It's pretty funny. We came up with something creative, but uh, you know, it was one of those kind of fly by the seat of your pants moments. <laughs> and, and everyone has those in their career uh, based on who's above you. But um, you know, I, I think that one of the interesting things will happen is I don't think Black Friday. Deals will cut as deep as normal because we'll see more uh, more discounting through the season. Yeah. 
and it looks like a lot of folks are getting away from the starting Black Friday on Wednesday or during Thanksgiving, yeah. and they're starting to kind of do the, hey, we respect our employees. Part of this goes with employment right now. Uh, the employee demand, I think it's 750,000 more retail employees this year than last year. There's going to be a shortage of, I believe, around 100,000 plus employees in that seasonal employee retail space. Okay. So my guess is yeah. part of it is, sure, we have great brands and we respect our employees. The truth is we can't really find that many employees right now. So if we're going to be competitive, we have to say, yes, we'll give you Thursday off. Yeah. So I think that's going to be a trend that we're going to see is not a lot of stores are going to be open for that. Hey, noon on Thanksgiving, run to the store and start your Black Friday. I think it'll start uh, actual Black Friday and potentially during normal mall hours. Wouldn't yeah. be surprised if summer starting early. Um, so that'll be something to watch out for. Uh, I, I always do look for the deals and, you know, there it seems like it's weird. TV makers and, you know, a couple other categories. It's just like, why would you ever buy not during <laughs> that, you know, four or five day yeah. um, timeline because everything just goes so low. Uh, so, so we'll see. Anything you're looking out for the season there? Um, I think something that the Q4 in general presents as a retailer is an opportunity to add new sales channels to your business. And I think one of the reasons you mentioned that people are starting to get away from the huge discounts is that we're starting to come to the realization that once the holiday season comes around, you're getting people who are actively looking to buy almost all the time. And so what it takes to convert a customer is going to be a lot less than what it would normally take throughout the year. So instead of having these big discounts, I think it's a great opportunity to extend your catalog in the new sales channels. And one thing that I tested out was branching out um, an online store that I have into Etsy and adding those products onto there ahead of the Halloween season. And what I'm finding is that, you know, as Etsy has a third-party marketplace, it already has the customers. And once you get those products up there that are related to the holiday season in Q4, that traffic is going to start naturally flowing through to your products and to your brand. So if, you're, if you've been on the fence about, you know, adding a new sales channel, whether it's Facebook Marketplace, eBay, Amazon, or something like Etsy, I think now is the time to kind of jump in on that and see if you can sort of ride the wave while Q4 hits. Yeah, and I'd say if, if you get into one of those channels and you can't sell during Q4, then you can't sell the rest of the year. Yeah. So it's a good time to, to test it because really it's going to be your best best time. And it is interesting what you said. You know, there's this whole scarcity play where we think that customers are scarce, so we have to give a better discount than the other person involved mm -hmm. and hope that they come in based on that. And it, it does kill the brand over time. It makes people really be strategic about when they buy from you. And it's getting harder to do nowadays. So I do think there's going to be more margin in the future so long as the economy holds. Um, you know, I, I do have a funny story about all that, though. Uh, years ago when I was running an e-commerce company, and it was my first six months there, I believe, uh, going into Q4. And, you know, I, I got there and the story goes started in marketing and our marketing team did really well, accelerated very quickly and, and kind of crashed the site. Uh, so they told me to take over the uh, dev team. The dev team got it together, had a site that could hold up to our marketing demand and our customer uh, demand. And then we crashed uh, the other side of the business, which was fulfillment, which we had 120 people on the fulfillment side of the business. <laughs> so then I uh, became president of the company and took over. Um, but one of the tricks that I had that, that I love sharing with people is, you know, we had an interesting play. We, we said, okay, let's 
work out discounts around logistics. So we want to fill capacity at 100% throughout the holiday season. We're already going to hire up. So what we did is we did a heavy discount early in the season and, and we said our shipping is basically guaranteed delivered by Christmas, but not quick turnaround. So you could not get this discount. You could pay uh, more of a full price and get it within the normal five days uh, turnaround, or you could get this huge discount, like half off, you know, uh, 40 to 50% discount, but your order's going to be delivered. And we basically gave ourselves 45 or 50 days to deliver. Wow. So this gave our, our, our team basically this amazing, huge influx. We set every record you could think of, the most revenue in a day, uh, the most units pushed. We actually had the most margin in a season during that, uh, during that Q4 because of this. So we checked like all the amazing boxes. Uh, but the, the trick was we, we, could, we could really relegate our capacity. And as we got deeper into the season, we had all these orders that we could then fulfill on and only sell at full price. So we sold most of that season at full price because we knew we had a bunch of orders that we had to fulfill anyways. Yeah. Um, but we could layer those out through. And the other trick we had was be the last man standing when it comes to delivery. And Amazon uses this. Obviously, you can't compete against Amazon. It's very difficult to, unless you're a Walmart uh, or potentially Target with that a one or two day turnaround. Yeah. But in our industry, which was print on demand, we wanted to be the last really graphic tease company delivering closest to Christmas. So it costs a lot of money. Our customers were paying for it. We weren't discounting it, but we said, hey, we can still turn it around within a few days of Christmas when nobody else could. And in doing that, we had these gigantic orders come through that were you know, what we call the full boat, you know, full margin plus, and we'd be making money off of shipping with these uh, overnight or couple day guaranteed shipping rates uh, through our partners. And it was a really interesting way to approach it, but, but you can use promotions to not denigrate your brand, to really add value to your customers in a unique way that fits with your value prop. So I definitely challenge people to do that. I will tell you on the back end, uh, we weren't as good at understanding our capacity as we thought we were. So I ended up having, you know, my marketing team at the time, I think I had 18 employees, uh, were fulfillment shop employees for about a month and a half. Uh, I learned how to print uh, and, and work in that environment as well, just because we had all hands on deck. I think I had about half my tech staff doing it as well um, because the demand was so great. But that's a, a wonderful problem to have at the end of the day. Yeah, definitely. And I'll um, share a story that's, Definitely not as successful as the one Chris just shared, but last um, Q4 was definitely was my first my first real holiday season in the retail space, and so I'm running this um, you know basically an apparel apparel brand, getting ready for Q4, and I had that you know those wide eyes that new entrepreneurs have where uh, Black Friday's coming, Christmas is coming, it's time for sales on sales on sales, and so I'm you know getting the store ready for the upcoming Black Friday sale and. I'm sitting through applying the discount, setting these special, you know, upsells and cross sales. Finally, get to the time where I can look at the store and see all the sales and discounts I've applied, and I realize I have about 10 pages of products in our Black Friday catalog. And so, a lesson for me there was that, you know, it's easy to get crazy with this stuff when holiday season rolls around. And I did end up, you know, taking a little bit of hit on the brand, just trying to get that price point back up after the holiday season after setting such a steep discount for Black Friday. So you definitely want to make sure you're not eroding your own prices when you set um, discounts around the holiday season. And another point to that was I actually had a print-on-demand fulfillment partner 
who had a very early cutoff date for Christmas orders. I did not pay close enough attention to that. And it got to the point where I had a few orders that missed that Christmas deadline, you know, had to work out the customer service with those um, orders. But it's definitely important to remember that if you're not, you know, solely responsible for your fulfillment, you understand that your partners will have deadlines for Christmas, you know, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and that you make those deadlines clear to your customers. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so important to stress. And make sure you're talking to your partners. I ran into a similar issue last year uh, where a partner did, just had huge fulfillment issues. And it you know, potentially was going to get me kicked off of Amazon and a, a handful of other retailers. And it was, it was a big issue. They weren't transparent with us. They just kept on saying, yeah, yeah, we'll fulfill. And that makes it very difficult. But I'd say as a retailer, be very transparent to your customers. Always. Um, it's a terrible situation to be in when you can't fulfill when you thought you could. Huh. So pay attention to those deadlines, but always be honest with your customers. If you can't make it by Christmas, tell them. Don't let them find out the hard way. Um, so, so there are really great lessons there to take away. Also, with that 10, 10 pages of products, you know, guidebooks are great, yeah. really helping people work through and navigate your site. And that's something to always think about. Right? This, this is the type of time of year where there's all this stress and all this more traffic, but it is something to think about. Hey, how can I guide people when this type of customer comes on? What's the funnel that they go down versus the, the other type of customer that I have? So, yeah, I, I think those are great takeaways and uh, interesting lessons. You know, I, I think this is an incredibly fruitful and stressful time of year for retailers. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so, you know, good luck with everything you're doing out there. And uh, give us feedback. We, we've really heard some great stuff after those paid advertising and social media shows uh, that we put out. So uh, keep it coming. And uh, we look forward to talking to you throughout the holidays. All right. This has been another episode of the Columbus E-Commerce Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Cheers. Like we always do with this time. I go for mine. I guess.